I, we did one previously. Talk into the mic. Oh. Hey, hey. Oh, you on? This we guy did one. never gets I, it. I didn't think it was on. <laughs> it's always on. Uh, we did one at, at Loco, uh, which is a really good place, too. Great I don't know if you know that one. Um, we, we're friends with the uh, GM, Will Oh, Pinero. nice. Well, the next one should be oh, at Red Hen. Yeah, we should do Red Hen. <laughs> so do you know, Loco, have you been down there? I've been to the area. I haven't eaten there, though. Oh, it's okay. Yep. You know what? They've got the... Um, they've got Lincoln Tavern. It's that same group. Yep. So they have like uh, Fat Baby. Yeah. Have you? Do you know about that? No, I don't get That's in the city very much. So brand new. I'm actually gonna. St I took a job, so I'm starting in the city uh, oh. next on the 10th of July. So nice. where? Congrats. Yep. Uh, I can't really disclose that yet. Oh. No. <laughs> so what, what, what kind of place? Uh, it's a fine dining restaurant. Oh really? In the back really? bay. Oh. Yeah. No oh. fun. That doesn't sound oh, fun. Plenty of fun. Really? Yep. So can can we have a podcast there? Or is it too nice for a podcast? I'm sure we can stick you in a room somewhere. Bathroom. <laughs> 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 like a stall in the bathroom. Exec chef or yeah, what? Executive oh, chef. Cool. Yeah. So. Oh, that's good. So I didn't tell these guys where you had been, but I said you were at some fancy restaurant associated with a hotel yes. um, in Maine. <laughs> Close, yep. In New England. <laughs> in New England. Yeah, in New England. So <laughs> Okay. Um, after the recording's off, I'll ask. So you yeah, know we that I Supposedly, I'm a little bit successful, but my dream is, not, is really. my, but my dream is to be you. What's is to be a drink? chef. Everybody says that. Um, is this is this a wrong oh. thing? You know, I'm gonna have a Modella Especial. Okay. And it pains me to say that because my Why? 40th birthday was Monday, oh, yeah, so I've basically been poisoning my Mine body too. for the last 48 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Your so, birthday. Yeah, it's oh, it's shit. been like this downward spiral and roller coaster wow. of sketchy Chinese restaurants and mai tais. Oh. So. So you'll eat, you'll do a little better today. Oh, I'm hoping so. Okay. Well, I thought it, like I was really rough shape yesterday at work, and then I thought it was going to be a great idea for a little hair of the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then six Mai Tais later, it probably wasn't such a good so idea. So you can't so. say where you are now, but you can describe the general type of place. Yeah. I told you he's going to try to trick you. Well, it depends. You. When is this going to when is this going to air? Uh, tomorrow. Uh, By Friday, know, probably. Probably, yeah. okay, probably so. Monday. I'm, no, start, I'm starting after else. the 4th of July, so okay, I'm starting yeah, the week yeah. after. So let's so. go. Yeah. Is that good or bad? We can do a little amendment. It's great. Hotel? Base? Nope, it's a restaurant. It's a re standalone yep. restaurant. Standalone restaurant. Oh, yep. Cool. Okay, fine so, dining. Fine dining. Yeah. So I'm a lifelong vegetarian. Okay. Every exec chef that I yep, know. You probably would hates. not like to eat at this this so place. So what would oh, really? you do for a lifelong vegetarian? I'm a junk food vegetarian. I drink. I'm oh, going to no. eat yeah. nachos. This is a variation on one of Mark's favorite questions, which we <laughs> well, have tried so to I, stop. I, him I from. come in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, we, yeah, with, with a, imagine oh, God, if you will. Is, well, the biggest thing is for me? just have an open mind. Just kick him out. The I'm problem is, as long as you're not a gluten-free, vegan, gluten you know, because then you're going to get a cup chicken. of ice. Yeah. You know, but, you know, this, one of the biggest trends in food right now is plant-based food, right. small plates, things yeah. like Possible that. burger, all yeah. that yeah, stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. Right. But, so one of the biggest challenges is how to do that packet full of flavor right. and how to do it so carnivores will eat it. Right. So it's kind of a great benefit to you because we're doing right. some cool stuff right now. Have you ever gone to, um, what's that called, Five Napkin? Five Napkin Burger. The Five Napkin. I haven't been there. I've walked by it's it. A it's a yeah, mini it's, chain. Oh, it's yeah. really not bad. Oh, you've been there? Yeah. You've tried their vegan burger. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Good? It's really I've good. Tried I mean, it was years ago. Five so, Napkin. So here's the key. It's uh, a lifelong vegetarian. Good, uh, yeah. Oh, I've not tried that. I don't want to have imitation meat. What, what not, drives me nuts I, I'm is not when, interested in that. when a vegetarian wants something that looks like a hot dog. Like I, if you I, don't eat meat, why do you want to eat something that looks no like a hot dog? I have no desire to replace meat. Yeah. I want to eat something interesting, yep. something that tastes so good, do you, um, and right, something that's spicy. Do you eat like, a lot of Indian food? I love Indian food. Let's see, that's food. my go-to. I love oh. Indian food. All the vegetarians, um, ve 
it's Indian, it's Mexican. It's yep. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. This is good, by the way. I'm a big fan of, like, I was at this place in uh, Salem, New Hampshire over the weekend, and I think I'll name it because it was really good. Okay. Cool and it, it was called Cashmere, and it's right on 28 in Salem. Okay. And, wow. you know, I like to roll in, and I'm like, you know, I want chicken vindaloo. I want it spicy. And they right. look at me like, oh, but I'm like, not white people spicy. I'm like, I want it, like, spicy <laughs> like you. Exactly. I, I have a million questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, way, I'm dying. Like, I have so many questions. We can't I, ask questions. I, I forget ask questions. I love so, spicy. So the best Indian restaurant. I was wondering. Like, I was wondering. Wicked a friend of mine wanted yeah, yeah. and very flavorful. Yeah. People, I agree. people are wondering. You can write them down and just slide them on a napkin to me, and then I'll just go into it. So what So what type of chef I was wondering. a specific kind of food chef, you know, like a food chef. A food friend, chef. Fr- French or Asian, no, or you can I'd cook everything. I I like global cuisine, so I'm a big fan of Asian flavors and Indian flavors, and I like to marry that with American stuff. Fusion. I hate the word fusion. I hate the word fusion. Yeah. You can use it all you want, but because it fusion. Got, you know what? When, when Wendy started serving like sweet chili I got, sauce I got blockchain stuff, in. it killed me on fusion. No, but there was a restaurant called... Uh, Blockchain. Elephant Walk, maybe. Oh, oh Elephant Walk, walk. was great. Yeah. That the was French, great. Vietnamese. But, that was great. But that, that also, great. like, I, for me, that doesn't really hit fusion because the French occupied Vietnam for so long. That's right. And it was such Cambodia. a natural There's probably a testy subject somewhere. Well, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I'm sure the three sure. people listening are not going to be I like was, me in business. Exactly. I hate the word pivot. Oh, we pivoted. Yep. Yep. So fusion I actually had a, a boss that used that question. Oh, so. It's bad timing. Do you eat, do you do sushi? I do sushi, but it doesn't have fish. Oh, come on. They don't have eyes. So how did you decide to become a chef? I'm, yeah. I have a he lot of questions. Of questions. Right. That is my dream. Over to you, Ziad. They're not questions. Okay. Should I quit everything and become a no. chef? No. No. Why not? Not unless you can take zero salary and do it three nights a week. Sounds like an angel investor. Uh, yep. <laughs> I want to find, find a restaurant that I can open three nights a week and try to break even. That's my goal in life. Okay. Did, I, did I'm, you, I'm in. Did I'm you in. ever go to... Did you ever go to, in JP, a place called, like, Blackbird Cafe or... Did ring a bell? No, we used to hang out at the Milky Way in JP. Yeah. Oh. And I love the Brennan Bean. How do you do where the place has got, like, nine tables or three tables? Oh, I love those places. I know. That yeah. tastes good, but how do you make any money? You don't. You have a rich wife. Oh, well, these are... Okay, that's okay. <laughs> hey, even if you're only yeah, open for a breakfast... You, 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 can, you can make a comfortable But it requires a lot of work. Really? Yeah. You're but still doing a lot of work. Yeah. It is, and that's when it's, like... I tell people all the time, especially like young cooks and sous chefs, and you know, everybody wants to be a sous chef these days. You got a line cook that's been a line cook for six months, and they're like, well, I need to be a sous chef. I've been here for nine what months. What does that mean? Sous chef is like, I was so wondering. There's the brigade system in the kitchen. Yep. You know, especially in a large hotel, you have like your executive chef, then you have your chef de cuisine. Your chef de cuisine will run the individual outlets. I, lo- I love it. You're describing like the mothership. Yeah, that's what it is the big brigade system. And then sous chefs work under them. So it's kind of like that entry-level salaried management position. Why do people want to do that? Because everybody, head everybody wants, yeah, everybody, it's, it's like natural progression, but everybody's in a rush to get there. Oh. So slow down. I feel like I had a conversation with one of my, my, my bosses the other day, and I'm like, you know what we should do is, it would be cutting edge. Let's just eliminate the title of line cook and call everybody a sous chef. Oh, how'd that work? Yep. Pay them the same and just call everybody Who a sous chef. Who gets to use the small aluminum skillet over the hot grill and throw in the fish and the lemon and it's sizzles up and out. That's what? the grill chef. Yeah, that's the grill chef? Well, what, you like in the line, or are you talking about like table side? No, like no, the no, avocado no, no, chef in the line, in the line. Well, when you so go, when you watch Anthony Bourdain when he was yeah, around, yeah. they always show you Can't the watch him now. with those aluminum pans. God, God, 
And they'd be too soon. The moment of science, put something in there, and yep. it always look great. So that's the saute chef. Oh, that. Looks but also when it flames up like that, it yeah. tastes like gasoline. Oh, so you don't want to do so that. Good. Looks cool. Yeah, though. It does look cool, but yeah, yeah you don't want to do that. So there's a guy. I learned there's a, a lady or a guy, named Saucier. He's the the, in charge of just the hot sauces. Yeah. That's their job in life to make a sauce. Very oh. non-existent now. Oh, really? Why? Yeah, yeah because like you don't art. have like a saucier. Like yeah. the typical restaurant, you have like a grill station, a saute a, a station, a garmagee. It's true. Sauce work is a lost art. Well, because, because they, you don't have it anymore. You so know? what do they do instead? They just get it out of a well, package? So, so, no, no. They still make it, but sauce work was like real traditional French cuisine. Uh, mm, and in the uh, 70s, when Nouveau Cuisine kind of came in, right. those heavy, like, three-day sauce preparations oh. kind of went by the wayside. So you still you have, know? like, your Bernays so can I and test your demi-glace. Can I test you? Like yeah. Uh-oh. What are the five fundamental sauces? The five, well, they used to be called the mother sauce. The mother sauce, When I was yes, in culinary yes. school, but then that's not PC anymore. So, oh, oh, the, oh I yeah, saw you're not supposed to call it mother motherland. sauce anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you have the uh, hollandaise sauce. Yes. Tomato. Yeah. Velouté. Yes. Bechamel. Yes. And... Espanol, Espanol, also known as demi-glace nowadays. Dem- what is velouté? Velouté is a is a um, a stock. It could be a fish stock or a oh. chicken stock or a vegetable stock yep. that's thickened with like a roux, that. which is oh, a fat and flour yeah, yeah, mixture. Oh, that's it. Versus a bechamel, which is milk thickened yes. with a roux. Yeah, yeah. And now those sauces, like you have Mornay sauce. Mornay sauce oh. is bechamel that has cheese added to it. Yep. And ah. you know, like you have Charon, sauce Charon is hollandaise with tomato in it. And there's sauce Robert. Yep, sauce Robert and is. And then uh, Bearnaise. Bearnaise. Um, sauce Foyat is one of my favorites. That's. Yep. All right, we can stop the. We can end the We're podcast right We now. are good. Why do restaurants fail so often? I brought some notes. You did? I did. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. Wait no a minute. notes. <laughs> that was not a question, by the way. No I was wondering. But I brought some Why do restaurants fail? My little fail? black book. Okay, good. Um, because, you know, I've heard for years, and I actually didn't even know this till about a week ago when I started looking at it. How do you like the guacamole, by the way? It's really good. Do you want more? Nah, sure. sure. Spicy. Yeah. Spicy. As it should be. Um, so there was an old adage, you know, the old wise tale, I should say, that they say 90% of restaurants fail in the first year. By the way, wives' tale is a Me Too moment these days. Well, yes. It's a Me Too thing. Me so, Too, yeah. So go ahead. Say that again. Um, so they're saying, you know, everybody, you always hear 90% of restaurants fail in the first year. That's not true. About 60% of the restaurants fail in the first three years. Okay. Um, like 26% in the first year, I think 19% in the second year, and it's down to 14% in the third year. Mm. But there's tons of reason. Um, if you're not managing your money properly, if yep. you don't have enough capital to start it, yep. um, poor inventory management, poor staffing management, right. inconsistencies. Oh. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a restaurant that, you know, oh, I love this place, I go there all the time. And you order the same dish, and it's different three times in a row. It's yeah. so hard. You have to cook the same thing every day for 50 people every single day. Yeah, it's but your I, interest up in doing that. I don't think that's the issue. The issue is cash. It's a cash business. Cash is the biggest business. So yep. I, I know the, I've met the owners of a mini chain of high-end Italian restaurants. There's one nearby. And I, I remember speaking with the wife. And she said the hardest part is it's a cash business, and the family has to get around and see every restaurant to see the cash. This this does remind me of a very um, and it, one of the most important messages people can get from this podcast. Watch the cash. Well, <laughs> we, we understand. Uh, and when you're out of the cash, us, and you've what heard happens? this before? Wait, wait, drum roll. Okay. When a business runs out of money, it often fails. Is that true of restaurants also, or do they Absolutely, keep going? But you, there's the telltale warning signs leading up to that. Ah, which are? 
staff's not getting paid on time, Ooh. vendors aren't getting paid, you know, all of a sudden you're way past your 30-day terms. So what do you do? You start finding new vendors and buying lower-grade product. You know, you're pouring high, uh, low-end liquor into high-end liquor bottles, which is very yeah. illegal. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's all been done. Yeah. You know? And people, I think, go out of their way to badmouth a restaurant. For well, some reason, if you had a bad meal somewhere, you go tell your friends, you know? What's you know, more this place is, than food? Is, is going downhill. You know, yeah. it's not what it used to be. And uh, what's awful is, when I first got into the restaurant business, I've been doing it for 25 years now. Wow. And... But it was, Wait, everybody was worried. about 40. 40, yeah. So I started 14, full-time, way before anybody cared about labor laws. Okay, this is good. Yep. Okay. As and, a chef. Yep. No, I was a, I was a like dishwasher a, at 13, and I was a line cook at 14. Wow. Oh. And um, one of the line cooks didn't show up because he got arrested with like a pound of cocaine or something and wasn't coming back for a while. So, yeah, yeah. hey, hop on the line. We're going to teach you how to cook. Wow. And, um, but, you know, you, everybody was worried about the food critic. You know, this is what Allison Arnett wrote for The Globe. So Allison Arnett's picture was in the kitchen. Like, if this woman comes in, make sure she gets the best service. And now, everybody that walks in the restaurant's a food critic. Because yes, you have Yelp and Yelp Google and, and Instagram. Instagram. Right. Instagram. But this is like that, that cartoon ah. Ratatouille. Remember? I love Ratatouille. I do, too. My kids That's loved it. a good it. one. Where, you know, all of a sudden they see the great French cook, and it's the rat cooking in the mm -hmm. kitchen. So, why, when a... Given re uh, building, so it seems like when one restaurant fails, somebody else moves in, they fail really quickly too. Well, it seems like you get chains of failures in given um, facilities. Howard Johnson summed it up when location, location, location. Oh, really? And you know what? You just have to be in the right place at the right time a lot of the times in the restaurant. But you business. know what? The best thing to oh. is, a, is a destination restaurant. Where, What's that? Where people go to a place that's off the beaten path because it's such a great restaurant. Yeah. But how do you how do yeah, you, you build up one to of that? that? How do you get to it's that? It's impossible. Point? That's the problem. You know, one of the best jobs after a chef is probably food critic. Like, don't you think that Anthony Bourdain's job was one of the best in the world? Yeah. yeah what did may, you think? May he rest in I peace. loved him. He was he was my spirit animal. I was I was crushed when he when he passed. Yeah. You know, it was just um. He just had such a great outlook on stuff like. You go into a culture and it doesn't matter. It's just like the food. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite food quotes, and I don't remember where I heard it from, but it's everybody loves food, but everybody loves food with a story so much more. So if you learn the background of it and the culture behind it, and he kind of did it with this like no fucks given attitude, which was, was yeah. awesome. Right. But Do you remember tastes? Mm -hmm. Usually associated with great memories too. Smells. Smell. I remember smells, smells so much. Yeah. Smells I remember going over to my grandfather's house as a little kid. And you could smell when he was roasting a suckling pig in the oven. Mm. And, you know, you could, you could hear the skin crackling and just that fennel and the garlic. And, and then he used to make these, this passate soup. I remember he gave me the recipe. And I said to him, I go, no, no, I'm reading this recipe over. And it says one bag of breadcrumbs from the Framingham Bakery. I go, what is that? I go, how big's the bag? He goes, about the size of your fist. Oh. Okay. So it's yeah. a lot of trial and error. From Framingham? <laughs> Uh, my father's family's from Framingham. Yeah, so I grew up in Woburn. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, so Framingham you, native. Do you follow recipes? Yes and no. Um, baking, you know. Baking is tough. Yeah, I create a lot of recipes now. Baking is different. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to bake because I don't like to measure. Right, exactly. Uh, I like baking bread because it's a little more, yeah. yep. you know, hands on. You more have flexible. to adapt to the environment, the humidity, and things like that. Um, 
but yeah, I don't really. How bake. did you end up? A lot of us worked, I think, in as um, dishwashers and the like. Mm-hmm. But you actually went into cooking. Yeah, so. I fell in love with the lifestyle. When? Right away. Why? You know, because I was 14, 15 years old, and I was hanging out with this like Haitian dishwasher who'd drive me home and get me high as a kite and drop me off. And then I'm working with hanging out with 25 year olds and we're partying all night and just it was like this passionate. But then it started to develop a real passion for the food and really just get excited about, you know, well, you can create things out of all these great ingredients and and you see how people get excited about it. Like I hear it all the time. Like I've always wanted to be a chef, always wanted to be a chef because people are, you know, it's. Food stirs up emotions yeah, in but people. I really wanted to be a chef. How no, do you I ensure consistency? Be because have you ever walked? That's into, really tough. Have you ever walked into yeah. George Howell's um, coffee shop? In no. any of them? Do you know who he is? No. He's the old coffee connection guy. Okay. Yep. And he sold out to Starbucks. Yep. His claim to fame was the frappuccino, though he says he didn't really invent it, but he he may learned how to make it better. Um, and then he stopped. He left. I think there was a non-compete, so he left. Uh, like Ten years for the country yeah. for a while. Now he's back, and he's. Got very exacting for his. They, they, his goal apparently was something to the effect of learning how to teach coffee growers to grow a bean that could be light roasted yet not acidic and would be tasty from warm or hot ish. Yeah. Apparently not piping hot, but hot ish to, to cool. cool. Yeah. To cool. I, I attest to that. And his is good at all that. But when you go into his shops, he's only got there's one down on the uh, what's that hotel called? The Jeffrey. Okay. The Jeffrey. Right. And there's one. In the marketplace down here, and there's and one Newton. in Newton or Nate, uh, Newton, and everything is precisely measured, which you can get away with. And you even see them with a little um, the pipettes, total dissolves, the TDS yep. meter, the total dissolved solids. So, but a chef can't do that. Well, you can if you own you a, a, lot of time. a restaurant with 80 cooks in the back and your three Michelin stars I've and have 30 yeah, seats. I've been to, to restaurants yeah. where. <laughs> Things oh. are done to a science. Yeah. I was one in Provence where the guy made his mashed potatoes. He tinkered with an industrial machine that he changed to make one of the best mashed potatoes in the world. His name is Chef Mathieu in, in Provence. And, and it's uh, that's the beauty of it. I mean, well, wait I, a minute. But are these guys well, measuring it out? Well, you look at the science behind it. You look at Fernand Adria, Adria who did uh, Il Bouli. Right. And six months of the year he spent in the lab. And six months of the year he had a restaurant. So when those restaurants are running, are they measuring things like that or no? Everything's precise. Oh, no, really? Gram scales, yeah. you know. Well, what, there's well, so much preparation done ahead of time. It's a symphony they you're, call You're it. assembling during service. No, but wait a you're minute. You're prepping what? ahead of time, and then you're just putting stuff Back together. Back in the day when, um, what was it, the Italians brought up the French well, chef for, or vice versa? For, uh, for David, back in the day is 60, No, no, 62. this is back in the 1800s, the 1700s. Those French chefs back in the day, weren't they... Um, they would, they would not have liked the measuring thing. It wasn't all, I, I can touch it, I can feel well, it. Well, you can... have to, there's a certain amount, and that's why, like, I'm not a fan of molecular gastronomy. Yeah, I don't seems, want, seems you know. It's wasteful. It's, it's wasteful, and you know what, everybody's like, oh, it's the newest thing. You know what it was developed? It was developed on the New Jersey Turnpike for fast food restaurants. So McDonald's could stop frying the French fries in lard and do it in vegetable oil, but still have that great yeah, flavor. Yeah, but the French fries are still packed in lard. Yeah, exactly. It's so, just, it, so they're they're not vegetarian. I looked yeah. into it. Well, that that's the thing though. So, but they're trying to how do we get that flavor so we can market it as okay. But that makes sense for them. But yeah. shouldn't a good chef be able to just touch the meat, look at it, and do all that? There's and adjust to the differences in absolutely. the meat. Absolutely. Now that's great when you're cooking at home or I have you guys over for dinner. Right. But it that's doesn't work. Idea. There's a good yeah. idea. But that's it doesn't work idea. when you're trying to cook for 400 people. But what so. happens? What about the variability? in the meat that day. That's technique. 
Well, if the chef is, if everyone's measuring it out. Yeah, well, that's why it doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> that's why it works in very small, oh, yeah, 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 certain yeah. situations. Yeah. So, you know, there's a certain amount of taste and touch and feel. And if you're, if you go to a restaurant and there's an open kitchen and you don't see those guys tasting food, yeah, yeah. it's not going to be good. By the way, do you reuse the spoon when you taste it? Oh, we buy the plastic spoons. They all get oh, thrown out. Them out. I'm trying to make my carbon footprint as big as so possible. Instead of, <laughs> yeah, so, so instead yeah, of straws everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infecting <laughs> people with, with bacteria, you're ruining the environment. Exactly. Because so. I'm not going to be around you know, another 40 years. So, so here's my question. He's actually speaking mm-hmm. into the mic, which is good. Well, which is why I'm asking. So, you know, we're I normal guys. We're in the Boston area. Give me two restaurants that just where you go with your own money. Uh-oh. But low and high. Oh. Low is Gourmet Dumpling House in Chinatown. Okay. And we get the same four dishes every time we go. Okay. We get the Szechuan Flounder Hot Pot. Okay. And I really think it's tilapia. Wait, is someone recording this? You no. know, this is low as in good. <laughs> I'm just curious. No, this is so good. Is this bad or good? Yeah, this is fantastic. Where is it? Are you talking about low price point? Or? Yeah, just, you know, yeah, so low, it's low, it's low on the arch, blue awning on the no, right, gourmet dumpling. Is it on the main street? Yeah, yeah. Just you interpret it however you want. Yeah, like low, my low <laughs> price point. Like yeah. If Keep I were going. to go what somewhere and have things? great food. So we have the Szechuan flounder fish hot pot. And I'm going to yeah. ask Ziad and Dave and I. And it's got layers of heat on it, like chili oil, black pepper, dried chilies. We get the juicy dumplings, the soup dumplings. Oh, Keep going. We get the long pepper and julienne beef. Okay. And the cumin lamb. Okay. Cumin lamb. The cumin lamb has great. two times as many chilies on it as it does oh. lamb. Okay. Oh, really? Fantastic. Hotter than yeah, oh, It's right. all Szechuan. Oh, it's fantastic. Really? I need to yep. declare this podcast the best podcast. Oh, this is great. Okay. And what's so your high this end? This is one of those Price ones where you object, don't have. Boston area. Fugaku and Brookline. I like Fugaku and Brookline. No. Fugaku and Brookline. No. No, I know that place. I love good sushi. Wait, this question is is unfair to the world of cuisine because screw them. I cannot have high lows in like Ziad. I have my high in sushi, I have my high in French restaurants. Give me a high. Yeah, but he's just in saying Asian, in, in my personal All right, Ziad, you're on a budget in Boston. Where are you going to where are you going to Have eat? you been to well, how do, what the, what the, the Hands sushi down. place on in Chestnut Hill? Oh, Oishi. Oishi. Oh, oh, I used to be I used to be the chef at a Pizza restaurant Which one? in Chestnut Hill, Which one? owned by a famous chef in Boston. Oh, Fix. could be. Could I be. used to live there. He's and, not admitting yep. it. And Oishi, we used to trade pizzas for sushi with those guys. Oh, okay. So how killer. was it? I heard that was the best. You could never sit there. It's yeah, I haven't been in years. This was hey, back right. in the late nineties. How to so Fukuyama much sushi or whatever you call it? So Siad. So Fugaku has a special place in my heart because we used to do a lot of late nights there. They have one in Sudbury, where, yeah, yeah, where I live. But the one in Brookline, yeah, right. and I haven't been there in years. But they used to have like the live shrimp, live baby abalone. And they had your favorite. They had the boats going around. Yep. The boats. No, 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 no. Wait, hold on a second. The boats, but they have fake sushi on them. You yeah, cannot... it's fake sushi on the oh, boats. Oh, no, yeah. I thought it was real sushi. No, 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 it's oh. fake. The health department won't let you do the real. I was sitting once at the bar. You get that down at Yo Sushi, you get the... Yeah, really? There's, yeah. A, there's a conveyor belt. And... Well, in Brookline, it's a no-go with the oh, health yeah. department. So listen to this. So I was at Fugaku. The boats were passing in front of me at the bar. And there's a little hole in every boat for a mast. So I had the brilliant idea of sticking my chopstick in the boat. Oh, my God. And it stuck out. And I said... Oh, look. And I told my kids, look, I have a, the mask. But then, unfortunately, the boats go through a tunnel. Oh. And then so, so it was far from where I was sitting. Wait, boat accident. They hit the <laughs> Everything stopped. <laughs> the whole boat system stopped. Ziad, same question. High-low. So I cannot answer this because I have my sushi high-low, my French high-low, my Asian da- high-low. All right, low, David. Okay, I'm going to vary this. My sandwich. I, 
I can answer the question is what's my favorite go-to restaurant? Not because yeah, not, it's great not expensive. food. Oh, no. I have one. I have one of them. Okay. All right. Okay. Mine would be um, John Harvard's. Not because not. I'm not saying the food's bad. I'm not saying it's the food's good. I love the wooden bar. I know the bartenders. I, at least I've seen them a lot. Yeah, it's, it's experience. Totally comfortable. You go yep. there, for and you go there uh, at least once a week. Yeah. All right, Ziad. So mine is called Soul. It's a sushi place on Cambridge Ave. Okay. It's a corner. It's sushi, and uh, and every time I go, the waiters all know what I what I order. Okay. It's yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Thirteen eighty-eight. Yeah, it's a sushi is. lunch. Yep. Okay. It's and high end. You just had an exit. Where are you going? Where are you taking your wife? Ooh. In Boston. Uh, probably without thinking too hard, L'Espalier. Okay, L'Espalier. Um, Great okay. restaurant. And that, that's, uh, that's my go-to place right. for uh, My My low-end place, and I don't want to say low-end, Pinocchio Sub and Pizza, Harvard Square, Cambridge. Wow, still cheese there? Cheese Sub. Been there 40 years. No shit. Great business. I know, I remember. I have a cheese sub there, a couple of bags of chips. I'm a happy man. What's a cheese sub? A cheese sub is a sub sandwich grilled? with cheese. Is Not the cheese grilled. melted? It's cold. So when I when I had a paper route when I was eight years old, I had one of those. There was a place in Wuben Sena where I grew up called Santoros, and we were broke back then. Yeah, yeah. But for fifty cents, the guy would give you a sauce sub. So it was a twelve-inch grinder roll Which with tomato sauce. sauce and parmesan. Just sauce. And it was Just the greatest sauce. thing in the Excellent. world. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Fifty cents. You're you're full. All you're right. running paper. When he put around. it in the oven, so it yeah, melted. Yeah, it up, it up. Toast oh. it up. Yeah. So that's my low end. My high end is Cafe Solasteca in Newton. Which really? is one of my favorite places. Not that high end, but good. It's uh, my You're favorite Mexican place. Like one underground. Yes, I, my my office was there. I love that place. <laughs> I, I love Dolly. Fancy. I love Dolly in the Somerville Cambridge line. Yeah, oh, right I've never been there. Oh, no, I've been oh. there once. Oh, oh Tapeo. That's like the Tapeo's gonna sister. sister. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Dolly's the original. Where you that go in is good. on your birthday, they give you this disgusting frog with one candle on it. And you have to kiss it like everybody else has in the last twelve years. What is the most disgusting thing you've ever eaten? Eaten. Eaten. Not oh. restaurant. Eaten. Eaten. No, I, mean, I, like, one of I had a live, uh, live lobster. It was right. like, so, still squirming on my plate. I, I actually had live lobster. I liked it. Yeah, no, yeah, but it yeah. was just gruesome. The poor little guy. Yeah, I was fine with girl. that. I, I like making eye contact with my food before oh, yeah. I eat it. Mark, yeah. Mark wouldn't do that because he's a vegan. Well, fair Check, enough. Please. I ate insects. Um, I had... Um, Probably the worst thing I had was uh, the fried pork intestines at an Asian restaurant. Oh, why oh. was that? But it's like the back end oh, yeah. of the intestines, and, and, and they weren't cleaned. Uh, yeah, 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 I've had oh. that. So, you know, yeah. Do you remember up uh, where the Bluestone Pizza Place is? Bluestone Grill in Chestnut Hill. What's after Chestnut Hill? Cleveland Circle. Yeah, Cleveland Circle, yep. Go up I there. got beat up at Marianne's like three times. Oh, go up there yeah. <laughs> and take a right turn and go around to, I think, Brighton Ave, and there was Bluestone Grill. And there was a Korean place way back when. Yep. And I had twice in a row I got um, not oh what do you call it? Um, intestine that wasn't cleaned out right. Yeah. It's like meh. But I don't think they uh, want to clean this out. I think that's what they're going for. They want that oh, real yardy. Yeah. I, 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 I was listening to a French yep. chef and there's something oh. in French called andouillette. And andouillette they uh, That's cool. What is that? What this? Nachos. Those are the nachos? So, I had once uh, insects. Insects? How were they? I mean, like you fried uh, the crickets and stuff. Or, yeah. cricket, hey, those uh, are just very texturally different, first. I feel yeah, like. On, the flavor is not that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like a, okay, so Mark does something super, super cool. He takes pictures of every nachos. I saw his, his little collection. It's amazing. Mark, you want to start that? It's vegan. Thank you. But we're going to help you with it. Peter's going to help you. I can so see him already reaching over. So, 
in your opinion, first of all, um, a meal should be structured. How many courses is your ideal meal? Well, I mean, it depends what you're going for. Like fine dining, you're going to have multiple courses. No, but for like, example, the French never ever have a meal without a piece of cheese at yeah, the end. So, uh, without a little salad on the side. That's my go-to for dessert. I don't like sweets very much, but oh, I right, love right. cheese. Ah. cheese. I'm a, I love I'm a good cheese. cheese. Yeah, I love cheese. That's why. So, Asian cuisine is probably by far my favorite to go out for. Just for the sheer fact that it's just it's very inspirational to me. I like the balance of flavors. Asians great. Um, but I always like to go home and have some beautiful, ripe, stinky, runny cheese after. Oh, and cheese people don't people don't really know that cheese should be kept warm at room temperature. Yep. That's what they say at Formaggio. Yeah, I toured the wine caves and, uh, there. It was beautiful. Yeah, in uh, uh, Fresh Pond area. Yep. I I'm, uh, yep. I go now, a lot sorry. to Vermont. So oh, if you yeah. want good addresses for cheese, mm -hmm. please. Uh, there's a place called Jasper Hill. Yeah, Trump. Jasper Hill. We I had a I when I was in New uh, New Hampshire. I built a beautiful cheese program. We used to have about 14 or 15 artisanal oh, yeah. cheeses by the ounce. You mean Maine? You mean Maine? Maine, Maine. Uh, Vermont, wherever you want to call New it. New England somewhere. Yeah, New England. And um, we, you know, I, I love the cheese program there. And it was always, we had usually three or four by Jasper Hill all the time on the menu. Really? I love yeah. cheese. So there's a place, someone pointed me to a cheese called Moliterno. So Moliterno is a, is a cheese made in, uh, I believe it's Sicily or... Napoli, someplace, and they inject by hand truffle. So when you cut the cheese, it has black lines of truffles. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't find it locally. I found a place in New Hampshire, and I and I ordered a whole wheel. Well, and that's similar to like I really like pecorino tartufo. Yeah, which is a sheep's milk cheese with a truffle in it. Or what do you think of the? Is it called humble fog? What do you think of that? Humble fog's cheese. really really good. But now, why there's so much of it? It used to be harder to get. Now it's it supply and demand. They just they, they saw what they could sell it for, thirty dollars a pound, yeah. and they just started Are making they, more. The quality remained the it's same. Fantastic. Yeah, oh, it's still good. Yep. Okay. So, have you ever made? This is boring, but fun. Have you ever gotten a big wheel of, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Parmesan. Yes, and then just dug out the center and put the put the pasta in the center and. Well, what, there's that uh, casino in uh, I think it's Mohegan Sun. Mm -hmm. That that's their big fancy thing. Is I was going to do that for one of my birthdays, but it seemed like a complete pain in the ass. No, it's also $900 for a wheel of Parmesan. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, jeez. So what, have you ever done it? Yep. Now, what did you do? Because you're not going to use up all that damn Parmesan. Well, you cut it up and you grind oh, it. Afterwards? You save the rinds for soup. Yeah. Okay. All right. So did you serve it? Did you put it on somebody's table that way? We had a cart. So people could order it and you go table to table. Oh. And what are the rules right. about reusing? So here, here is the most important question. You don't worry about it. Don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> so you, do you have kids? No. If I had kids, the state would take them away. All right. If you had kids <laughs> nope. and you had to make them mac and cheese, what would you do? By hand or the oh. box? Oh, never box. Never box. I didn't think Mark actually liked food. And you have to. Chef's especially never... to be kid-friendly, it needs to be bright orange. Yes. It has so to what be do you bright do? orange. So if you want to go like really high-end bright orange, yeah. you're going to use like Mimolette or something like that in there. But honestly, one of the best go-to mac and cheeses are Velveeta and really, really high-end like four-year cheddar. Because you get the flavor from the cheddar and you can okay. put like a smoked gouda in there too, but you get that binding agent and that creaminess of like okay. the because Velveeta. Because oftentimes people think that when you do mac and cheese or even a grilled cheese sandwich, yeah. you should use cheap cheese. In fact, the better cheese you Government use, cheese. the better your mac and cheese is. You know, I have an idea. 
I agree. this podcast. Let's quit the failure we're, and we're just focus no, no, on food. No, no, we can keep the name, but we're just going to go into food business. We're going to yes. take up what What's-His-Face <laughs> was. We just need to travel around so the world. So here's the... I saw once... So I tried to perfect one thing. So oh, no. I did once... Uh, I did a souffle every day for two months just to be... Wow. And then Thank the you. thing that... So one thing that might surprise you that's hard to hard to master is frying two eggs. Do you agree with that statement? Egg cookery is one of the most difficult things in the world. We got nothing to serve this with, but you can start with that. And when I used to when I used to have cooks come in to stage for positions or try out for positions, I would tell them to make an omelet and two over easy eggs. What's so hard about cooking eggs? What's it's so precise. Yeah. You have to be precise. If it's in the pan for 10 seconds too long, it's overcooked. There's nothing worse than an undercooked white, but you want that yolk still nice and runny. Yes. Absolutely yep. doing. And so I took a cooking class at the Cambridge Culinary right, School. Right, right. And then I learned something very interesting. You should have a pan dedicated for cooking eggs at your house. You don't you don't wash Just it. for that. Just for that. It. Yep. You wash it, you rinse it, but you don't do anything else in it. What's your favorite pan? Because I remember Bourdain yes. in his book, I swear he says, just get the shit aluminum ones. Yeah. From I, restaurant supply, which so I find hard to believe. I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to that. I um I got a gig for a little while where I used to cook demos at the La Crusade outlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got very spoiled by the ladies that worked there, and I was getting a lot of comp stuff and things that cost. And so my, it drives my wife nuts because you walk into my kitchen, and it looks like a showroom now. Oh, really? So, yeah. All the colors? Yeah. No, no. I go with red and orange. That's oh, it. Oh, really? Yep. Those are the original La Crusade. The oranges, yep. The I'm flame. They just introduced a new, a new color this year. Mark, you want to try some shrimp? But um, but in order to have a, the right kitchen, it's not easy because most people have the wrong things. Like you have to have the right pots for the right things. Yeah. That seems to me just to be a pain in the ass. That though seems like a food snobbery. Because I bet if you were to go down to Donald Trump's favorite place, Mexico, you walk in there, they got whatever they got. And that's probably the best. <laughs> yeah. No, but they're also cooking they're on probably... cloud discs and no, stuff, No, 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 too. I'm not saying that you should have fancy items, no, no. but you should have the right pot for the right... Yeah. Uh, um, you don't want to make a heavy stew or a chili in a thin-bottom stock pot. You want a heavy, like, fr- a Dutch yeah. oven. Yeah. That's, so, that's important. It's the, the right tool. It's the right knife. You don't want to cut... What kind of knives do you have? Oh. So... You have to spend a lot of money on knives. I have, uh, I have this sad, sick obsession... Since I don't have children, I have a good amount of disposable income. And so I have a large collection of mostly Japanese knives. Well, how do you like them? Love them. You mean with a beautiful... Um, some lady. of them are. Some of them are just really, like, busted up and hammered, and it's just... Who's the woman in... Um, I When we started cooking Chinese, read a book by one Joyce of the... Joyce Chen? No, it wasn't Joyce Chen. More recent chef who's got a restaurant, and I forget which one it was. And she said... Screw all the knives. You only need one knife by Dexter, which turned out to be a Massachusetts company. That's the one we bought two of. Twenty-five yep. bucks down the hall, down the street here. That's been great for me. The problem is it doesn't hold an edge that long, so you have no, to sharpen a lot more. So do. if you're using it daily, yes, we I do. think about it. And then, so using it. something like daily, you're sharpening it daily, and then it whittles down. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You have to. That's something I didn't know. You really have to sharpen the knife quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We get two of those. Good. We got I two, bought. We I bought a very one. expensive knife. Which it one? was so sharp and so pointy yeah. that because my old knife was dull and and the first week I, there was blood everywhere every time I cooked. So you I gave up, I put two? it away. 
But the, I mean, the, the key, too, to a good knife we is have two, you need the right knife for the right job. That's you right. don't want to be mincing a shallot with a giant tenon chef knife. You want to use a paring knife. I'm sorry. So it's, uh, leaving, aside the, leaving aside the issue of sharpening, how would you like the Dexter? Have you tried it? Dexters are good for butchering, for boning, and things like that. I don't find them that good for, like, precision work. So I, um, it's interesting. So do you have a lot of little tricks? So once I was doing a dessert, Just eat it. and um, it was a poached pear with a chocolate sauce, and the pear, you put it in a, Just dig in. In, a, in, a, in a wine sauce. That's how you poach it. But one of the chefs came and said, hold on, watch that trick. He brought one of those green scrubby thing from the dishes and then you scrub the pear so it looks very smooth after after you peel it it gets rid of all the lines on the pear mm -hmm. so as you develop your career do you learn a lot of these little tricks the little cook kitchen hacks you do kitchen, you learn a ton of hacks yeah okay so that's that's very common it's not like a, yep. a house thing. and that's just experience you know can you crack an egg with one hand oh yeah I worked. I had my externship. I eat had that. that. It was delicious. Yours. Eat that damn yeah. thing. Yeah, oh, I had some. It was delicious. Just eat the whole thing. Um, we'll order more. So I worked for a summer camp. It was my externship from culinary school. Where'd you go to culinary school? Uh, Newbury College over in Brookline. Mm -hmm. How and, was it? Um, it was good. Um, and we used to have to do like scrambled eggs and grilled cheeses for like a thousand rich kids, you know, <laughs> for lunch and stuff like that. So every day before we finished, uh, we got on break before lunch. We would have to crack, you know, two hundred dozen eggs or something like that. So you do. How do you, you avoid do, the? Um, how do you avoid the shell? Any shell or did you? You crack them into a sieve. Oh, you do. Yeah, we crack them into a sieve and it. Well, wait a minute, but the, what about the uh, yolk? What do you do with that? Well, you mix it all up. Oh, this the is sieve. that one. Yep. Yeah, how yeah. about cheating, which is just oh, crack them all in and then mix them up and just add a little calcium to the egg? So you do two eggs like. Salmonella is the issue with that. Why so? The salmonella is on the shell of the egg. It's not inside the egg. Oh, really? This was also back in the 90s. Right. Now, you, know, lost now you just buy the liquid eggs in boxes. Oh, right, right, right. So. And how's the quality? They're good. That reminds me. So let's go back to the 70s. I remember back. this is back in the day for Ziad, because this is the long before he was born. Probably before <laughs> yeah. you too. Yeah. Um, I remember there was uh, discussions in the 70s about the rise of Iowa and other sort of central states' places sending out bags of food. It seemed like it was a new thing to that point, maybe because refrigeration was that much better, but it seemed to be the rise of restaurants getting bags of food and then serving the bags of food. So is that, does that sound about right that to you? That was the start of sous vide. Was it sous vide or yep. was it, was it, we can prepare it here in Iowa cheaper mm -hmm. and all you guys have to do is reheat it? Oh, is that what was going you on? You reheat it in a water bath. That was the start of sous vide. Yep. Oh, so that's the ancestor of sous vide. No, but yep. sous vide, I thought, was was a legit French technique. And then they adapted appropriate. it. Oh, so that's how we use it I don't home. know how it started, to be honest with you. I don't know I if thought, it started in France, or well, if so I don't somebody, know what it started for, like, though. Um, so my somebody told me it means under glass, and they said that it was mine? a way to... Under pressure. Under pressure, yeah, oh. Yeah, I had one. Okay, so I know that at we home what more. we do is we do a lot of Indian, which is not the same as Indian again. I told you this, which is home-cooked Indian is much more relaxed. And I mean, the way we do it, it's, it's not that rich, tasty. It's and we just bag it up, and then we use what you're calling to be to reheat it. it what a great way to go. Yep. So how many restaurants do you do that technique now? I personally don't care for it too much. There's no. certain things I like it with. Yeah. But, you know, like it's real trendy right now to cook steaks that way. 
and then grill them. Oh, and, but they don't that. come I out that good. I mean, sous vide, legit sous vide. Yeah. I'll call that legit oh, sous vide. I don't think many. How do many that? restaurants get bags of food from Iowa? I don't think nowadays none. Yeah. Maybe chain places. I don't know. I'm oh, not really? familiar with it. Yeah. Was it? Am I correct that it was big for a while, or no? Was that just my before my time? It might have been. But like you know, that was probably before microwaves. Because now you look at like a place like Applebee's, yeah, where eighty percent of the food goes out of a microwave. Well, so is that so? Right. It comes to them frozen. So I know upstairs where we are, which will remain nameless right now. Um, I know that they seem to get their food from a commissary. You're close to the cafeteria workers there, right? Yeah. So um, it, they seem to get the food from a commissary, and then they do something with it. So how common is that? That's then, you know, it depends on the size. Like a place like a cafeteria. If they have a large, you know, it's a big company yeah. running it, a lot of places do that. And they do that because it's a cost standpoint. It's cheaper to produce giant mass and deliver it. How much, I assume the quality is lost. Uh, yes and no, it depends what it is. It really depends on the item. Uh, if you're making soup, but good. Doesn't it's not matter. lost at all, yeah. Yeah, that may be true. So here's another one. Another question while he's eating, he's got a mouth, mouthful of a, wow, my God, he ate that like, a, like one of my parents would have. Um, That's hard to eat. That's the corn on the cob with sauce. So what do you think of the, um, when you go to the store, they have those uh, pre-mixed, pre-washed, triple-washed lettuces that are in the bin. Yeah, we buy those at home all the time. Don't you find the flavor stinks in the end? It depends. There are certain brands that are really good. Like if you buy like one of the the organic Olivia's, um, the really, really good one. So we shop at the Market Basket near us and there's a farm. Who's we? We, the me and my home? wife. Oh, 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 me and my wife. No, home. It's Rome. So there's a it's farm Peter in Massachusetts. Yeah. There's a farm in Massachusetts called Little Leaf Farm, and they distribute to restaurants now. I mean, to, um, I've always, I bought from in the restaurants, but they distribute to supermarkets now. So you can get the clamshells of their beautiful organic lettuces, and it's the same quality I was buying at the restaurant. And you pay for more, but it tastes like real lettuce. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. So this is this like Boston Bib or whatever. If you go to it's New- usually like baby romaine and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So are they they're not pre-washed. This yeah, is they're just- pre-washed in a clamshell, and they wash What's them at the, the farm. It's What's called Little Leaf Farms. Little Leaf. Okay. Yep. And so this is the David Minute. Where yeah. He, he but the difference is information that yeah. serves no purpose other than his I mean. own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it tastes like it tastes <laughs> like real <laughs> lettuce. <laughs> you know, this it's podcast it's for a general yeah. audience, not for David. <laughs> David's little shopping tips. That's all right. But yeah, but you can taste <laughs> well, the difference. Needs lettuce. You know? Oh yeah, no, no. You can taste that next to another pre-washed well, so we've lettuce. So we going to Wegmans and buying yeah. that, and yeah, I find it's good you know, stuff. I, yeah. no, I'll argue that it's just an evil road to go down because there's nothing like getting. A fresh-ish head of lettuce. Yeah. And you wash it, it takes longer. But but the the, the le- heads of lettuce at the supermarket are yeah. no fresher than that stuff in a bin. Well, I feel like it's something's happened to it. It's been yeah. ripped apart. They just have more dirt on them that yeah, you have to clean off. The ones I like are the hypo... hypo yeah, those are fun. Yeah, yeah the hydroponic. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Um, I agree. You don't... No, I'm serious, but this is an issue. Because yeah, look... If I, you're I, consuming a, a boatload of lettuce... Then you got to have something that works, and I'll argue most of those pre pre done ones don't work. Oh, please, I, I mean I also like. For me, sure. the lettuces I eat at home: chicory, escarole, radicchio. Mm. I like More those like, bitter greens, yeah. yeah, dandelion greens, things like that. Are you finding those pre um are those pre washed also? You oh, no, no, no. You buy you those; and they're those. covered in shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they so. usually also have dirt on them. Yeah, that's, yeah. So you have to actually so, yeah. wash them to get the dirt. But that's the other the benefit is, and this is what I tell everybody when they're like, oh, you know, I can never find good produce. Well, and I'm like, you have to leave the nice area and you go to where poor people shop. Right. Because that's where, you know, you're or getting the co-op quality. or whatever. Well, co-op the, uh, and, you're, the, uh, and you're busy. 
That's right. market, uh, market on yep. Saturday. Well, that's leftover that's stuff the restaurants yeah, yeah. don't buy. Seriously? Yep, that's the leftover no, produce from the market. You're ruining, you're ruining his I'm day. Sorry. He thought he was... He was the no, but the guy was screaming like, one dollar... Uh, Go to C-Mart in Chinatown and you'll get beautiful fresh produce. A third of the price you'll pay at a regular supermarket. I'll tell my people to do that. Your people? This <laughs> <laughs> is wife. His wife and kids. <laughs> Me and my people go to H-Mart a lot in Burlington. So, so, do you become a little bit, in French it's called blasé, where you're, because you're I a think chef. I call that here, too. I, yeah, okay, blasé. It's a French word, just give some credit. To like it. blockchain. Like blockchain. Blockchain. So, because I, when I started cooking and I took some classes and I pretended to be good at cooking, I never cooked simply. Everything had to be, like now the chef is cooking two eggs. They cannot be just regular two eggs. I have to put a little cherry tomato. Does he sound uptight? I think he no, sounds uptight. No, but see, uptight. I used to be like that. And now I just want good food. Yeah. Okay. So, so you go through a yeah. period where you're... Yeah, when you're learning and you're growing. Exactly. And then that's when you start to learn to take the ego out of it. Because yes. you're cooking for ego there. And then you kind of get past that and then you're cooking for good food. Because you want to show off, like, look what I, I'm such a better cook than you because I can, my food looks nicer than yours. But, but once you plate, once you, like, I think that plating is important. Plating even is gorgeous. If even if you're putting a, a grilled cheese sandwich, my kids ask me often to make them a grilled cheese yep. sandwich. I always make sure that the lines on the panini yeah, but are at a certain angle. Yeah, that, that's, but that's well, easy that, But that's also time. technique, though, too. My kids because are lucky if they get a plate. It's cooked more evenly. <laughs> yeah. So that has a you purpose. You should get a paper towel. I put towel. tiny butter at the, on top of it, so the lines... You know what you need to put on top? All right, tell me, please. Mayonnaise on the outside of the oh, bread. Uh, yeah. I right. After you've grilled it, though. No, no, well, before you grill it. Okay. Why? Because it adds as like a... It's a fat, so it gets that crispy. It's like a whole different flavor than Cooking tip number one. Oh, really? This is, to, this is good to know. And you know what I do? I put Herbe de Provence encrusted yep. into the, the butter and olive oil on top. And I you know what else is it. really nice is Parmesan cheese on the outside, and then you get like a frico. It's like a crispy Parmesan oh, crust. Then you dirty the machine and someone has to wash it. That's what your better half is for, right? <laughs> well, so I remember thinking bit. the same thing. Yeah. We bought all the books from What's What's His Face in Chicago with a Mexican restaurant. Oh, Rick Bayless. So we bought yep. all the Rick Thank Bayless you. books. And I remember this was the last time I cooked fancy. <clears throat> was we were invited down to somebody's house. And I picked out one or two or three or four, some number of things from there. But in the end, I ended up making this big platter of really fancy Rick Bayless-inspired Whatever they were. And they looked great on the plate. And I realized, I'm now going to be two hours late. And there's like a shitload <laughs> of food here. By the time we got there, everything was a complete waste. It's like, yep. fuck it. We need the right food You should have right brought queso time. dip. <laughs> yeah. But it it's also, waste. all the people, like, it happens a lot where And you freak couple, people out when you do that. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? Do you want me to eat this? Or do you want me to admire it? But like, everybody it, goes man. to... Well, like hopefully people, some people Instagram and, it before they eat it. Or Mark, <laughs> no, 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 no Instagram. I just do not. This was back in the day. No, but people travel, let's say, they get a trip to Tuscany, and they come back, and they're obsessed with cooking Italian here's, food. Here's my Instagram page. It's all nachos. 300 and... Uh, How many are you now? I don't think 400. I've, I don't think I've eaten that many nachos in my you life. You should do... Uh, and that uh, was just this last lunch. week. That was Yeah, this was just last, you know, first quarter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I don't know. So, to me, there's a, there's a limit to... To me, I'd rather make... I, I agree, plating... In my mind, it's important that it look nice, but in the end, it's got to taste good, and it ought to look authentic. Well, you in eat the end, with I'm your eyes first, yeah, but yeah. there's nothing worse than the garnish that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> when yeah. somebody curves you something, and there's just like a giant sprig of rosemary on it, but there's no rosemary <laughs> in the dish. <laughs> yeah. 
well, it has to be, it has to tell a story. Oh. And then the, the, there's a, there's a, a, a guy named Peter Mail. Have you, he wrote a book called A Year in Provence. Oh, yeah, of course. Then, I read that. That was a great book. That, and, there, and he yeah, has you. one just about food. <coughs> yeah. And all about food from Provence. And, and I, I've been I to Provence read that. like a dozen times. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. The, the, the flavors combined with the taste, combined with the smells, you can't beat that. There's a, a, an author I like to read a lot of. It's uh, Mark Kurlansky. Are you familiar with him? No. So he wrote a book called um, Salt. And oh. It's all about the history of salt. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That. Yeah. And then he I wrote. Mean, yeah, yeah. He, he wrote a book called Cod, which was really interesting. Oh yeah. And he surmises that the Basque people discovered the New World before anybody else, but they didn't want to give up their fishing spot. Right. 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 And then he also wrote a Basque history of the world, which is a really interesting because it talks about the Basque culture and he intertwines it with their food, so there's recipes in it and everything. It's you haven't really read the book. Um, what's it called? Bits or Bones by that woman. Remember the? No. There's a few books by a woman who is writing. Uh, I think it's a woman writing about how to make use of all the bad, otherwise unused parts of the beef. It's like you know? Michael Pollan. Yeah, it's like Pollan. But well, Chris Con Constantino wrote a book called Offal. Really oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like and that, I love yeah. that stuff. Like yeah. I like livers and hearts and tripe. Yeah. And, and there's one know. all on bones, but I think the same yeah. person. So who's your hero chef? Yeah. That's a tough question. Um, I mean, I really don't have... I honestly probably would have said it would have been Anthony Bourdain because yeah. I looked up for what he did for people in the industry. How he kind of glorified it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But there used to be, you know, when there is the, the Food Channel became super popular oh, like 10 worse. years ago. And there is a, we're not going to badmouth people, but there was a chef I thought was very cool. And his name is, he's a thin, uh, he's. Um, <clears throat> what? Who is it? He wrote books. He had a cooking show. He was not a uh, Flay or whatever his name Fila is. Yes, Bobby Flay. Flay. Yeah. Bobby Flay. Yeah, he's got like three different shows he's, on the, the network. Yeah, I mean now. that's a yeah. cool thing when you you're a chef and he's a got the right personality. Yes. There are so many pompous. chefs that have pompous. awful. <laughs> well, there are so many chefs that really have such bad personalities, and that's why they're in the back of the house to start with, because they they struggle to play nice with people, and you have to have in this day and age a certain outgoing demeanor. Because people want to talk to the chef. They want to meet the well, chef. Well, a long time ago, or whatever, you were a long uh, time ago. Back right? in the day. Yeah. Back in the, the day. The chef never came out. No. Chain. No. The chef was the chef. And then yeah. no, no, but now it's you very popular. You knew the maitre d'. Well, that's like, what it was. Oh, chef-owned restaurants. Yeah. Well, say, this is the era of the celebrity chef. The mm -hmm. Rick Bayless, the yep. French laundry guy. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas Keller, yeah. That's right. And that's what it comes to. Like, this my wife tells me chef, all the time. top chef, you know, with Padma like, Lakshmi. It's your curse in life, because you're really, really good with people, but you hate people. Who? You? Me, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Wait so a minute. You're going. Well, this is from a podcast we didn't we never published. What is the name of the chef who's from the Middle East who's made a huge name for himself recently? And Otto something or other. Otto because of the why. Y'all yes. yeah, yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. the books plenty and more plenty, great stuff. Right, and a podcast we never actually published. I was remember I kept calling him yo 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 yo. Or something yeah. like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's yeah. Otto Jottenberg yeah. or something like yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Have you read any of them? Are they I have good? a lot of them. I have How a lot of his cookbooks. Food's oh, yeah, fantastic. We about yeah, this. we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His food's great. It's okay. you know, he wrote a lot of the vegetarian. He's books into too. grains. Really, really good. Yeah, we like ancient them, grains are really, really so big right now. Let's do some negativity here. And negativity. Some, some. You like negativity? Well, I thought you were like Mister Anti-Negative. No. Big smile on your face. No, I have to complain about many things. in the food industry. So first of all, yeah. First of all. The, 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 the menus these days are very boring because no chef takes risks and say, this is duck feet and, and this is, 
and and you a little bit, but not much. So you end up Caesar salad, yep. filet mignon. Why? What do you uh, want? Like uh, the old days where they said um, the duck feet came from the pond down the street. Yeah, I stole them from I, my neighbor. I want to pick an item that I've never had before. Exc- you want to be excited about that's something. Different. Yeah. That's different. That's different. But, okay. but it's, it's very rare. Because but you have to do it in an approachable way too. Did you yeah. ever go to the Middle East Cafe and eat their duck feet and uh, uh, lamb's tongues? No. Well, the problem is nobody wants to eat that stuff. I do. Well, yes, no, I do. No. But nobody wants to eat it on a regular basis. So you can get away with it in like an inner city, a really trendy neighborhood. Right. But then you have to reinvent yourself a few years later. Yes. So tell so us. You have to, that's where you have to be creative. How do you get an item on your menu? Like Who an item like that? Or, or any item. Like how do you decide? Well, you need to, if you're going to go, if you want to think outside the box a little bit and do something kind of unique, your best friends are the servers, and you need to educate them. So, Because you know what? If you have an educated server, they're going to educate the diner, and they're going to be excited about it. You know, because oh. people, people, if people grab go out to eat, shit. if people go out to eat, Here, grab and one. they uh. don't recognize a word on the menu, nine out of ten times, they're going to go with something safe they know. They're not right. going to say, what is that? You know, so if the server brings it up to them, or you know, it's going to be a whole different world. Okay, that's a great point. Yeah. Wow, this is hot. And Grab how it. about you want? You have good hands. Yep. You sure? I do. <laughs> Another one of my pet peeve complaints. Yeah. Are people who pick something, and then make so many suggestions that actually changes the recipe. So, can I have the fish? But can you take the capers off, put them on the side, and can you add some? Uh, it's the worst. It's like. It's like and you know, not only is it borderline disrespectful to the cuisine, yes, but it screws the kitchen up, and everything takes longer because you have people trained to do the same thing over and over and over again, and then everybody has to stop, and the whole machine stops. So I am that guy. It. You do this, but hold the meat. Yeah, but, but that's a little different. But, you're but, you're but, like this for culinary. For omitting something is generally pretty easy. Okay, it's when it's the. Like he said, like, right. oh, you know, no I don't capers, like bell peppers. I, I don't like dill. But do you have any snap peas back there? Well, yeah. then just right. buy a side of snap peas. Well, go eat at home if you don't yeah. want to follow what yep. the But what I do as a minority is I will send a note in advance. Here, like, I did this, you know, I'm on open table. I'm a vegetarian. I do this to do this. And about 40 or 50% of the time I get a call or an email saying, what's your list of do's and don'ts? Which I think is great. No, but you do it because do you that, have... Re- as chefs, we get excited, and we tend to go above and beyond. That's right. And you're going to get an extra course sent out. You're going to... That's so right. It's like, wow, this... You, you know, get treated, consideration. Re- treated really well. Yep. I think I agree. No, 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 but it's Are becoming trendy in, in the in some areas of the suburbs where some people always have to make a change. Like, it's, it's, it's a must. Like, you go in, and you start ordering... And, and changing things. It's a control thing. They're trying to prove they're smarter it's than the chef. It's an entitlement thing. I don't think it's I don't think it's either of those. Over. I think it's that they just people want what they want and they're paying good money. And so I get it. But then, at you, the then chef you should end. go. To, but you should go to. Well, that's, but there's different levels of restaurants. There's that's restaurants right. that cater to that sort of thing. Right. That's and then, but if you're going to go to a high end place, don't tinker with it. So that's kind of what it comes down. Well, to. that's uh, that's why you have to communicate. It's I think in advance. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I'm going for an experience. Yeah. I'm going for an extensive yeah. experience. Even, you know, if I, like, my wife is a meat eater. She, her favorite thing is to go to, like, a Capitol Grill or Del Frisco's. So I'll communicate my issue well in advance. You can take, and I can use my I end up, I mean, right. if I have they a salad and baked really potato, I, I, I'm always well taken care of. Yep. And that's what it is. The worst is when you get it dropped on you at 7.30 on a Saturday night with that's no right. warning. Which I wouldn't do. Yep. You get, you're, you're standing on the expo line, and yep. all of a sudden you get handed a card. 
Yeah. And it's, you know, Mary at table seven has a gluten intolerance, a soy allergy, a shellfish allergy, and yeah. you have 30 tickets in front of you. Exactly. You're trying to feed 200 other people, uh, yeah, and you have to stop everything. And that's why I think it's, it's respectful to the exactly. kitchen in my setting to walk in and say... <laughs> and you're going to get treated better. No, 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 but I'm talking about the people that show up at the table... Look at the menu and start swapping things. Yeah. Okay, here's my next best. I think it's within sort of. Well, I, think, I think it depends on the type right. of place. And if it you go to like on how you ask. If you go to like too. Tavern on the Square and you're like, I want steamed broccoli instead of fries with my burger and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. You know, yeah. Leave leave the bacon off my burger, something like that. You know, yeah, that's, it's yeah. an omission, not a. Yeah. You know. Uh, we t- I took my wife um, away for her 40th birthday, and we went to Portland, Maine, which is my favorite food city on the East mm. Coast. I love it. I love Portland, Maine. You know, and we went to. I made um, a reservation at Hugo's Restaurant, which is fantastic. And, you know, I wrote right on the open table, you know, we're going to get the chef's tasting grand menu with wine pairings, Mm. my wife's birthday. I got an email back. Do you have any restrictions, any likes and don't likes? Like, what's your favorite thing? I'm like, you know, I really like uni. So we had two courses and had uni in it somehow. Which is great. It's a conversation. Yeah. And they tailored something for us, and it was really nice. That's right. So I had a, a girlfriend before I remarried that took me to a great place in Brooklyn called the River Cafe. It's still there? It still is. I I'm actually, actually going to Brooklyn three days next week to eat, and it's so the first time I've been was, there. I was um, visiting my older daughter, mm-hmm. and she lives directly across the street, uh, directly across the river okay. from there. So I looked over, I'm like, yeah, I think it's still there. And, you know, right on the other side of the Brooklyn yeah. Bridge. And, you know, my, uh, my lady friend at that time said, he's a strict vegetarian, he does food? this, he does that. Yeah. Um, and I had no menu. Do you know when it started? I just sat down, I turned this off. and they fed me. But and that, that's what it is. Your restrictions are, I don't want animal Fine. product. That's right. easy. It's, that's right. I don't want animal product, but I don't like onions. Mushrooms aren't okay, and it's like, oh. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But you have to be open-minded. That's it's right. It's fine to be open-minded, especially with allergies, too. Like, I'm gluten intolerant, but as long as no gluten in it, you know, wow me. Right. We're doing and you get excited about something. That. I did, um, at one of the restaurants I worked at, I had these people come in five years in a row, and they wanted a 10-course vegan tasting every year. Oh, how was that? It was awesome. Because, you know, they told me ahead of time, and oh, I planned it out. But how would you I, prepare? What would you do? Well, I would do all kinds of different stuff. I would get, like, depending on the time of the year, everything was super seasonal. Really? And I tried to swap out stuff. Like, for their entree course in the fall one year, Yep. I took giant king trumpet mushrooms. Yep. And I marinated them, and I slow grilled them, and I sliced them like you would a steak. How did you price this thing? They didn't care. Obviously. Oh, they didn't care. Yeah, it was. I think How we took whatever we it? would charge for our regular tasting menu, and it was the same. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So I love tasting menus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's my, my. I've done so, so many tasting menus. Yeah, it's the best. That's the best way to do it. And so also, I, you give the chef. So for my birthday, I always go to Quebec City. Oh, I haven't been. There's I love a, Montreal. I haven't been. There's a, a hotel there called Aubert Saint Antoine, and inside the hotel, there's a restaurant called Panache. And then. That's French, right? That's French, and. I call them ahead of time like a kid. I tell them, it's my birthday. I'm turning 45 or 46 or... It's 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Longer. And then, they, uh, and then so we have a meal there for, for my birthday. And I literally tell the chef, surprise me on wine and food. And they get... They How you love learn. it. And they give you stuff. Like they give you wine that's, right. that's yep. unbelievable. We bought the 10-course tasting menu. We ended up with 17 courses. Yeah, no. <laughs> but that's what happens. They just take care of you. So you know what works here without traveling out of town is to call. We had a friend of this who, ours who did this. He would in Chinatown. Do you remember the transportation building in China? Is the transportation yeah. building the yeah. one at the it's end? It's right of the, outside of Chinatown. It's right like all the food court stuff now. I don't mean 
there's a building at the end of the what's what's the name of the street that Pearl um, Pearl uh, China Pearl? Pearl's on. I don't remember. At the I'm end of that street, when that place was new, at the end of the street, there's a place. The that, China Pearl was new. No. When, oh, I was like, that's the fifties. Imagine <laughs> you come out the door, China Pearl, and you take a not a left back to the main street, but you take a right. Take a right, and you go down towards the south end. And there's a big. Uh, no, you're going right, actually, towards the... Our, um, our listeners in Austria don't, they don't care know. about that. We have no a, listeners. There was a new Chinese <laughs> restaurant yeah. um, at the end of that street. It's, it was both new and Remington now it's long street gone. or something. Yeah. Um, a friend of ours <laughs> would, on his birthday, invite 10 people, and he'd have the chef just come up with whatever the chef liked. I think they gave them relatively little direction, just told them the kind of people and what they're hot or not hot. And that was a great way to get stuff you'd simply never have, and it was quite close to home. That's awesome. And it but worked out great. I did a similar thing. So I, had, for years, I was booking, meeting. I mean, this is a boring, the boring aspect of it, but I was booking a lot of uh, stuff meetings in Las Vegas. So my meeting planner, the late Tommy Licata, um, oh, that's hot. was on the board of the Four Seasons. So he's in Boston. He was here, and he's like, "Let's go to the Four Seasons." I said, "Tommy, don't spend that kind of money on me." I don't, I don't yeah. eat like a normal human because <laughs> just show up, 7 o'clock, show up and shut up was essentially what he told me. So I just showed up, and again, you know, vegetarian, do's and don'ts. The food Wait, kept coming. Wait, what did he say? Where, show up and shut up? I'm yeah. sorry, where That's what we need to tell him yeah, for the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. So where <laughs> yeah, was I had this? The, it is literally the best meal of where? my life where, where? at the Four Seasons in Boston. How was it? At the, you know, the nice Good. dining room. And they just kept bringing stuff and, you know... Wine pairings. I have no idea what I ate. It was probably ten years ago, huh. fifteen years ago. But it was a great experience, and they just catered to me. You know, it was a lot of small plates, and the other folks at the table were not vegetarians, so they had stuff for everybody. And it was it was Boston has. By, by the way, I moved to Boston in 1996. It was a culinary I'm, I'm disaster in the in the 90s. You couldn't find a good cheese, a good baguette. That's when you had Todd English was just opening in City Square. Yeah. Yep. And you literally had Maison Robert. And it was Maison Robert. Old Lydia restaurant. Shire was still doing her yeah, early Lydia things. Lydia Shire, yeah. Jasper, well, Jasper was closed. Yeah, please do. And now, um, you, like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of great I food. still have some complaints, yeah. but... This, this, yeah, but there's it's come a long way in a short amount of time. And, and a lot of the chefs kind of came out of the hotel traditions. Mm-hmm. So I'm friendly with Brian Poe, who does Tip Tap and yep. a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, he came out of the millennium, uh, as did, I think, Lydia Shire did. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks came out of that odd little... Um, well, you worked, you worked for, like, Todd yep. or Lydia. Yep. Or there was a lineage. It's like yeah, a hierarchy. And then, and then like they SNL. Kind of, and then yep. they all... Yep, they all that, that's out. exactly right. But, and Peter, I, you, we talked before, and you said uh, it sounds like a lot of your favorite restaurants are not, A, in Boston, and B, are up near Lowell. Well, yeah, and because just we don't, sort of we don't local, come into the city No, exactly, often. but yeah. there's great... I remember we have, you had an equivalent of this you talked about when I lived in Brighton. Great Vietnamese place. Looked like a hole in the wall. You did great if the husband was cooking. You did poorly if the uh, if he was uh, the wife was cooking or vice versa. But people yeah. say but, it's a restaurant is great because it's also consistent. Well, that's true. But the, that, that's, bottom why, I like, the that's why I like Pinocchio's in yeah. Harvard Square. But the, the flip side is there's some great restaurants that don't have these names. Right? There's some great local places. Now, by the way, that's what guides are for because you have to... You have to try. So I tried a new restaurant. My wife uh, uh, forced me to go, and and uh, I complained, and it said it's it's horrible, but in fact it's fantastic. It's Peruvian cuisine, and Where? I'm sure you're going to jump in, at in Newton. 
Peru. So Peru, no. So where is it? It's uh, near. It's called Peruva or Peruvio. It's where, where, where? next to the Jeff- Newton as well. No, it's next to the okay. Jeffries Hotel. So a lot of ceviches and. So Peru, yes. Just a in Lima, there was there was a, a trend of cooks, and they would combine different cuisines, and then they became so famous that people would fly from all over the world, um, and it was a mix of pretty much French, Japanese, and Latin American. And the, the, it is quite amazing. Well, South America is the new melting pot after World War II when everybody yeah. kind of flooded there and yeah, settled right. and you had all, all the cultures kind of, yeah, so it's really interesting. And that's why the, so I had Mexican food in Mexico. It's much different than Mexican food in the U.S. It's much I better. I can imagine. Yeah. I had a beer in Tijuana, but I didn't want to eat anything there. I did something else in Tijuana. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you absolutely did not. <laughs> after so college. So what is your... So let's go back to this whole, this whole, your all-time favorite restaurant anywhere in the world. Oh, I haven't done a lot of extensive traveling, so I would probably say my all-time favorite meal. All-time best meal that you can go really? back to That's and say, hard. wow, I yeah, it's chef's tasting. I remember two Michelin, whatever. I remember right when Number Nine Park opened. Yep. Oh, yeah. And Barbara Lynch, and this was, I think it was literally about two weeks after yeah. she opened. Remember and that. I was a young line cook, and I was working at, at Figs and Wellesley. Yep. And well, I, I, I like that Figs. Yep. Yeah, and I was, was so I started there right at a culinary school. I was working yeah. the salad station, thought I was like king shit in turd land. And my wife was a waitress, so that's how we met. And it was like one of our what, first what, or what, second what dates. What era was that? This was 98, maybe. I was there. I lived there. I went to Figs yep. all the time. So, yeah, so that was like, I got out of culinary school in 98, so it was right around 98. And then, uh, so we went to Number 9 Park, and it was really one of the first great meals that I had taken somebody out for, and it wasn't like I was taken out for. And I remember to this day, we had this one, it was this peaky toe crab timbal with this yellow tomato sauce. And it was just like, I can still see it in front of me, and I can taste it, and it was so sweet. Yeah, and... So, just an amazing meal. So That's you the only would dish not, I can remember. Like foie gras? Are you I love a foie gras? Love you foie would gras. not put, say, um, a really interesting. Because when I when I think of the best meal, it was probably at that same um, uh, Korean place I mentioned that had the ofo. Um, but it was not that meal when they brought out. I remember we had the hottest um, squid dish. So I would say some of the uh, some of the local sort of yep. fresh cooked. Korean or Chinese or Oriental, yeah. the Asian. And that's, was, you know, I, it's funny. I eat so much Asian food out that that's like my go-to. So maybe um, it's not the, your best meal. No. Maybe there's, the question is wrong. Your most memorable meal, Yeah. your favorite meal, your and favorite. And it can change. Yeah, I think it's very seasonal too. Like in the summer, I want oysters and lobster rolls. I really do. I want really good lobster rolls. I want fr- oysters in the half shell. Where do you get good lobster rolls? Uh, I love Bob's Clam Hut in Kittery. Okay, yep. Woodman's in Essex. Yeah, I, I used yep. to go. And then, you yeah. know what? You know where I got an amazing lobster roll the other day? My kitchen. How'd you make it? Because I go to the Market Basket, and I have them steam the lobsters Why there for me. Why do you do that? It's easier. Yeah, because they're, they're on sale. The new shells are here. They cook them there, so I don't have to stink up my house. And what'd you do? How'd you prepare and it? And then you just shuck out the meat. Hellman's olive oil mayonnaise. Fresh lemon juice. Why are there olive oil mayonnaise? Because I think it's got a little more fruity flavor to it. Yep. Um, celery salt. Yep. Fresh celery for a crunch. And a little bit of Old Bay. Lemon juice. Oh, really? That's it. And just barely dress the meat, so there's almost no mayonnaise on it. That's and then you one. need, and then you got to do it on. Everybody wants a toasted hot dog bun. 
I like the seeded scholar rolls yeah, yeah, yeah. from the deli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put them in the toaster so the seeds burn a little bit on the top and I get a little bit of bitterness for the sweet lobster. What do you eat for breakfast? Anything fun? I usually don't eat breakfast. Um, do I. When I do, I either have cold pizza or Chinese food. If I'm trying to eat healthy, I have black beans, kale, and egg whites. Oh, so breakfast for you is a mean. Yeah. I don't, I don't eat it very often. Okay. Like, if I'm, if I'm home, if it's a day off, like, I like to, to cook a big meal for my How wife. How do you feel I, about toast with um, cottage avocado? cheese? Oh, I love cottage cheese. And uh, tomato slices and salt. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Let's if the tomatoes are ripe and your toast is good, you have yeah, good yeah. bread, tomatoes why not? Tomatoes are fine. Uh, Kumatos are fine. I, I love Kumatos. I, I eat those at home all the time. Let's talk about salt. Because salt, salt to or, me. No. Oh, fleur de sel. Okay, no, no. Uh, yeah. Fleur de sel is like a little bit. No, is that tomato. the fleur de sel? Is that no, the flaky one? No, but that's maybe one? not good for breakfast. Maybe. What do you feel about, let's talk about salts, because Curry salt, salt on hard-boiled eggs. How do you, what do you call what? fleur de sel? In curry the... salt on hard-boiled eggs. What's curry salt? So there's a place in Portsmouth and Portland, Maine called the Salt Cellar. Oh. And they sell all these high-end, like, flavored salts. Right, do you agree that yep. it matters? It freaking matters. Absolutely yeah, it does. Of course it matters. But, so there's a lot of people, all the salt tastes the same. If somebody, if somebody tries to put iodized salt in food, oh, that's, oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go no, and get takeout. But it's not just that. It's also the texture. Yeah, that you want that little crunch. And that's why that, well, like, the, the, the salgri has a little more minerality. Like the, the, which is the, the one that... Do you know the fleur de sel? It's they have to wake up early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that the one that's the light flakes? Yeah, it's like a It's a... Yeah, but it's a big Malden sea salt is one of have a piece of foie gras, a little bit of fleur de sel, right. a little sauterne, and that is probably heaven. Okay. You know, so you know what? what I love more than foie gras? Have you ever had enkimo, monkfish liver? Monkfish no. Liver. It's like foie gras of the sea. Really? How is it? Where do you it's, get it? So I used to get it at Fugaku. Wait, repeat oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What's it's enkimo is the Japanese name. A-N-K-I-M-O. And it's monkfish liver. And what they do is they wrap it up in cheesecloth, like a torchon, yeah. and they poach it in a little bit of sake and yeah. mirin. They chill it, they slice it thin, it has that same texture of foie gras, but it's got like a faint ocean flavor to it. And they serve it with ponzu and shredded daikon. Do you like it better than sea urchin? No, sea urchin's my favorite. If sea urchin is my oh, favorite. Sea urchin is my absolutely favorite thing. I used to get one of my dirty pleasures <laughs> in the world was when I worked at a restaurant, yeah. when I would do the fish Tastes order, like the ocean. I would literally get an old extra tray of sea urchin. And when I'm doing my order at the end of the night, I would just stand there and eat it. Oh. So where'd you get good sea urchin? Good sea urchin? Oh, fu fugaku, almost. Fugaku has no, really good stuff. Do. Yeah, a lot of them does. A lot of them do. All you do is the key is just ask him when it fresh, came in. If fresh, it came in fresh. the last two days, you're yeah, but good. But you can see it even at a, a lousy place. Yeah. You can see the guy walking in wearing the, he looks like he was just out uh, yeah. wearing his uh, wetsuit. Oh. oh. And you all see right, that okay. in Brookline all the time. So David, would you eat that fish that if you cook it the wrong way, it's poison and it kills you? Sure. Fugu? Yeah. If I was in a place that sold a lot of it. Yeah, if I you said not, if you invited me, I would not me have over, Mark prepare. Yeah, if you invited me over <laughs> your house and said I'm going to cook you up some food, I'll be no, like, oh, no, I, I think I'll be sick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so David, your favorite place, your favorite dish? Well, it's sea urchin is my favorite, Cafeteria. and almost any good. <laughs> no, not Do the you like cafe. the raw quail yolk on it. Oh yeah, of course. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. You guys um, are such so any gourmet. Bigots. I think the answer to this yeah, yeah. is any sushi place, not in California, because the slices are too thick. Okay. Um, so I would say, because I've not been at Oishi, what is it called? Oishi. I've mean, not been at Oishi. Oishi. Fuku, right. Fuki Akamu, or whatever you I want to take you, there's a place in Chelmsford that Rita and I go ah. to, and it's called Nobo. And Nobo? Nobo. Not Nobu, Nobo. <laughs> Nobo. It's, it's cheap Nobu? We go there two or three times a week. And what do they have? 
It's just sushi, but it's like, you know, it's good. good. Like, the guy texts me when he's getting fresh sea urchin and oh. stuff. Oh. And so I get the hookup. Do and have you had sea urchin? See, I, am, I, am I in, love it. No, I had it from a fisherman and then he yeah, had right out of the urchin. shell. Yeah. yeah. And then he had the What knife. was the problem? Well, there's only like two tiny pieces. Yeah. So he gave one to some other guy and he gave me one and I couldn't have more. And I well, yeah. That's was, why you need to go right. to a place so where you can order Wait, wait, wait. The question is sushi not in California? Okay. Almost all of them. Ziad. Oh, not Whole Foods. What's either. the question? Well, favorite. favorite place, favorite dish in the world. In the world? In the world. I, I have two answers for me. Oh, my Lord. And they're all lowbrow. Lowbrow is good. Yeah, no, I'm not going to divulge my, my travels because they, just to give you an idea, I was in a place once. The, the appetizer was, in French, les, les quatre tomates. Four pieces of tomatoes with a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of salt. That's What's it. What's bad about that? That sounds good. Uh, Wait a minute, was it like tomato it. loin? Did you have tomato loin? It was tomato fillets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, so my favorite Fillet place. Tomato. Um, it, once again, you're tricking me because there is sushi, there is Asian, there is French, it's, there is. This is a Rorschach sandwich. test. Yeah, it doesn't I'm matter. Show you no a picture. Answer. What's your answer? All right, I would say I it's can a transport you anywhere in France called La Fenière. It's in a little village called Lourmarin. Where I had, uh, and you would appreciate that, it was a, 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 a degustation of, I think it was, there were, you had two options, seven and nine courses. Yeah, courses. Yeah. And they were paired, and listen to this, drum roll, <laughs> they were paired with olive oils. Oh. So every course oh. had its olive oil. Oh. And then they had that? on the table nine olive, little oh. olive oils, so you can have extra tasting to taste the various olive oils. Okay. Okay, yours. Mine. I mentioned Pinocchio Subs and Pizza in Harvard yeah, Square. Yeah, yeah. In Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, oh no, no. Zingerman's. No, not Zingerman's. Lila. No, no, not freaking Zingerman's. Izzy's Skokie Skidoo. <laughs> oh, no. It's a great cheese sandwich with coleslaw and Russian that's dressing. That's why he was on his phone. And That's right. And in Las Vegas, Nevada, Lindo Michoacan, my oh, favorite Mexican that. restaurant in the world, a plate of nachos. That's my answer. Have Goodbye. you ever had a <laughs> deep fried? Um, uh, what's the what's the sausage? Uh, a standard sausage, deep fried, made hot with. Dog? Pardon? No, not a hot, hot dog. dog. Not a hot dog. What do you call that? Uh, shit. What do they call it? Uh, no, not bratwurst. Uh, um, with seasoning. Uh, uh, like uh, red. Italian sausage. Italian with red. Uh, no, uh, um, not salami, chorizo. Chorizo uh, from. Chorizo, but not chorizo. Like a chorizo. Uh, Capricor Portuguese. Capricor Portuguese. Linguiça. Uh, Linguiça. Yeah. Deep fried, served with um, French fries on it. And uh, coleslaw, and covered with Frank's hot sauce. Oh! Cooked in a uh, like like a diner or an all night place where the guy's smoking a cigarette. Okay, still. that's great. Oh, these are great, and you have to have it at the right time of night. You just have to well, have it's been like a, something. You have you to have like, it right uh, after the last call. Do you like put <laughs> exactly. poutine? I love poutine. Oh, yeah, poutine's good. Put so poutine. I used to do a poutine at a place oh. I worked. Healthy or unhealthy? Was, Let's end the podcast on poutine. So it was <laughs> hand cut fries. Yeah. Um, Vermont cheddar curds, yeah, duck confit, Ooh. foie gras gravy. You yes. lost me there. Uh -huh. Actually, there's a restaurant in Montreal that puts a slab of actual foie gras on top of the poutine. But this is like roughly five to six thousand calories plus. Yeah, yeah, a heart okay. attack. But uh, it's called. I'll end it on that plug. It's called Le Pied de Cochon. Oh, that's Martin Picard's restaurant. In, Martin Picard. Yeah. Hold on, we need. A final word yeah, from, from you on uh, from a chef on um, happiness and food. Oh. Okay. 
happiness in food is it's redundant. When no, it's no, well, it's not. No, it's sometimes it's better. So <laughs> I, I think back to my childhood memories, oh. and I didn't have a great childhood. It was okay. You know, we grew up somewhat poor. It was pretty shitty. Um, but I remember sitting there, and I remember eating like my great aunt Teresa's ricotta gnocchis. I remember my grandmother's ricotta gnocchis. I remember my mom, my mom making pork chops and vinegar peppers with oh. the pastine vinegar peppers out of the yeah. jar. <laughs> yeah, and the smell. smell that would come up. And she would do it in this electric skillet. That's yep. the only thing she yeah. ever used. West Bend. West Bend. Yeah. And, you know, and that's yeah, what I remember. Excellent. And I literally, for, for Christmas one year, mom's like, what do you want for Christmas? I go, I want an electric skillet. <laughs> and that's the only thing I use it for is I'll make pork chops and vinegar peppers. Oh. And so, and like, it brings me back to you know, memories. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys.